are here for a reason. Breaking down the brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason.
Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here for the Bible study on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> the first day of the week, folks. Uh, listen, I've, I've been, I got up at four o'clock this morning, which is not unusual. But I, what is unusual, I found myself rushing and I literally barely got into the studio on time this morning. You see, my dog, who is very well trained, although it's minus 10 Celsius, which is about, you know, probably 22 Fahrenheit. Um, it's beautiful out. It feels like just above, just below freezing. And uh, he was loving the sunshine and he was a bit disobedient this morning. <laughs> and, uh, of course, when I went to pursue him, so I gave the command, come, and he didn't. In fact, he went further the other way. <laughs> and I got to hand it to him. If you're going to be bad, be real bad, because the punishment's pretty much the same. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that... Uh, it, Took me a little bit longer than I had expected out there this morning. So um, I'm going to make some bold statements in today's broadcast. And uh, this is so good, folks. It's so good. Well, let me just say one thing. And I didn't say this a few weeks ago when we started this chapter because it was really irrelevant. But I think it was a Saturday night, I believe, just before we started the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. I had a dream. I was talking to Jesus, and I could see him. And you know, I think most people say when they have that experience, you really can't remember exactly what he looks like. Uh, I have an idea, but, you know, it was him in his uh, human form. Uh, I'll tell you, he's no wimp. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Uh, even in his earthly form. And the other thing is his voice. He doesn't have like one of these uh, wimpy voices. He speaks with command and authority. And in this dream I had, he gave me two scriptures. And I know the scriptures. And I was like, wow, why are you, why are you telling me these two scriptures? And I pondered them. And this is while I'm still in my dream state. And then as I woke up, I had a remembrance of them, but it faded away and I didn't know exactly what they were. But I knew this, that I would find them in Matthew. And this morning, as I was studying, I was reminded of that dream because one of those scriptures is in this chapter. And it is a good one. If there's one verse that stands out above all in this chapter, and it is rich and deep, folks, um, it's this one scripture. So praise the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this awesome privilege of Having a podcast, first of all, Lord, to 
exclaim your greatness, to proclaim your glory, to proclaim your truth. And Lord, even though somewhat scary, to read your words aloud and then offer what the Holy Spirit speaks through me. Lord, it takes a great amount of faith and to just step out and to trust that you will speak through me. But your scripture is clear, Lord. And although sometimes some of my flesh does sneak in to these studies, Lord, as always, I pray if it is not of God, that it falls on, falls off their ears, Lord, and there's no remembrance of it. And if I speak incorrectly, Lord, I pray that you bring correction right away and you allow me the privilege of coming on in humility and correcting. But Father, I do trust your Holy Spirit to speak through me and to minister to each and every one, Lord, because the Holy Spirit, you are the power of God. You are God. And Holy Spirit, it's only by you and the Lord's permission that we can even have the slightest bit of understanding for this. For no man can understand the scriptures without the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me. I submit my full will. Lord, the Holy Spirit will minister in the reading of the word and touch each and every person in the individual way that you love them and you care for them and you want to create a greater intimacy with each and every person, myself included. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Glory be to your name. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Sorry, folks, I just feel I want to stay here for a second. I'm just pondering. That these are words of God incarnate. Speaking to the masses and declaring his authority above all. They looked up and they saw a man. But those who had ears to hear, those who were asking about God in their mind, those who were seeking the Lord, They found him that day. And Lord, those who knocked on the door, you answered. Not only did you fulfill the law, Lord, you fulfilled the entire canon of Scripture. Even though some 
of your book has not come to pass in this world. It has already been completed. And Lord, as a as a man, as women in the flesh, we only understand in part. We cannot comprehend because we have not seen. And even if we've seen it, we would only see in part. But Father, you gave us every tool that is needed for us to navigate that narrow path. Lord, I pray you keep us from stepping asunder. Lord, that we walk one foot in front of the other and only directly to you. And Lord, although you've made it possible for us, internally, it seems or feels impossible, speaking for myself, Lord, to even have the will to die to self in some areas. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, but your love is abundant. Your love is true. You cannot and would not ever go against your word. And Lord, we rest on your bosom of your word. Lord, give us that intimacy. Lord, we pray more intimacy with you to us. But Lord, grant us permission. Give us the anointing to see more intimately into the things that are outside of this world and into your kingdom. For Lord, you said, as it is in heaven, Lord, so shall it be here. We are called to seek you, Lord, with an eternal vision, for the temporal is nothing. We should not worry for today, but Lord, be kingdom-minded. As we read your scripture today, Lord, I just pray that you give us those thoughts of eternity in the interpretation of your word. Lord, that is the true way to interpret your word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. All right. Um, 
you know, I've been, I've been promising when we started the book of Matthew and I'm doing my best to stick to it. Uh, again, we could, we could spend the year on the mountain, the sermon. In fact, I'm tempted when I'm finished chapter seven to go back to chapter five and do the whole thing again, because there's so much more here. I might do it folks. I might. <laughs> um, but here is a master principle that I'm going to give you today. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 in your Bible, have all of the answers to life. The Sermon on the Mount is a summary statement of the, of the entire book, folks, at least as to what our role should be. That's a bold statement. And if you are going to spend time studying deeply hanging on every word I'm going to suggest to you to take these three chapters and do it and fully understand it to the greatest amount of your capacity. And if you're going through anything in life that you're wondering, Lord, what should I do? Where should I go? The answer is in here for everything. I'd like for someone to try to prove me wrong on that. Do you think God in the flesh, in his signature sermon, forgot something? Heaven forbid. <laughs> He didn't. <coughs> I know at this part, part, he did not reveal his entire plan. That isn't what I'm talking about. He didn't reveal the things in Revelation. He didn't reveal that he was going to go and die on a cross and steal the keys of death because he didn't want the enemy to know. But as far as living your life, it's all here. Wow, almost 20 minutes in. I haven't even read the scripture yet. Let me start Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, the log is in your own eye. 
you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you, and you will find. So seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks, it will be opened. Or what person is there among you who, when he asks his son for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? So if you, dis you despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. 
and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and its collapse was great. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. <laughs> okay, spoiler, spoiler alert. <coughs> We're not going to get through the chapter. <laughs> Uh, starting in verse one. Actually, you know what? Before I start in verse one, you know, I say this all the time, but, you know, it's easy and many teachers will do biblical gymnastics. So, you know, Paul said this and it proves this. And, you know, Isaiah said this and it proves this and it matches up. And that is all good. There is a place for it. Make no mistake. I study that way. But one thing I have learned is, particularly when Jesus is talking, actually the, the entire book, I'm not kidding. I don't want to kid around. You miss something when you step out of the chronological order in which it's laid out. We can easily be be distracted, and, and well, it's not a distraction. Lord, Lord, remove that word. But sometimes we can miss something. So, I think this study is a bit different because we really do want to just stick to the chronological order, because Jesus says something, and then he tells you why he said it and teaches you from it. And you know, if we just take one part and just stick on, well, that's fine. But I think you're going to see something if you pay attention to the chronological order of the Sermon on the Mount in particular. Now, having said that, that I don't like to do uh, biblical gymnastics, <laughs> just I, uh, I happen to look at the verse of the day and the verse of the day, I don't know who picks these, but they're spirit led because it just seems to be perfect just about every day, at least for me. And when I went on to Bible gateway this morning and the scripture of the day, it goes so perfectly with what we just read. I just want to read this to you. Galatians chapter six, verse seven and eight. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life 
from the Spirit. That's almost a summary of this entire chapter. Just like I was praying, we want to have a long view here, a kingdom view. I know we're always thinking about ourselves because we're selfish, sinning creatures. But think of a long view. Verse 1, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Kind of sounds like Love your neighbor as you'd love yourself, doesn't it? But here it's talking about judging. And I know each one of us has heard, well, see, you're not supposed to judge. No. <laughs> He's not saying you're not supposed to judge. We are supposed to judge because you have to go down to verse 5 to really understand what he's saying and I'll talk about the speck in the eye and the log in a moment but he says you hypocrite <laughs> first take the log out of your own eye almost sounds like the stoning of Stephen, doesn't it? He who is out sin, throw the first stone. So he, what Jesus is saying to you, and he answers it, you're going to get the answer as we go through the thing here, at, through the entire chapter. But he says, do not judge hypocritically. You know, I could, uh, I could lose a few pounds. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I'm on my way to, to do just that because I need to. But can you imagine like me having a, you know, a bit of a gut saying, uh, you know, Listen, sister, uh, you know, you're you're no longer the first round draft pick. You know, maybe you should get in shape. <laughs> really? Boy, they would have an interesting retort to comments like that, and rightly so. You know what? We don't judge people. There is only one judge. And he is much higher than you or I, no matter how much of the Holy Spirit you have in you. But we can judge doctrine, fruits, actions. All of these things are fair. Now, just because you have made a judgment and you are supposed to make judgments 
every day, every situation. Should I go this way or should I go this way in it? You are called to make judgments. Because how are you to know what is right or wrong? Or if you know what is right or wrong, then you need to make a judgment. No, that's wrong. No, that's right. Now, even though you've seen something and it is wrong, are you supposed to immediately then rebuke them? Because they misunderstood something? I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. You got it wrong. <laughs> I don't want that happening to me. <laughs> I'd much rather someone come to me. Listen, brother, um, you really kind of messed up on that. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me show you. I can love you into it. But you know what? The person who does that most likely is walking in a much better way with God than I am. You see, if I have a log in my eye, and obviously Jesus is making an exaggeration. You're picking on the littlest thing there, but look at the big crap you got in your life. Maybe you should deal with your life before you tell that person what to do. You hypocrite. So do not take this scripture out of context. We are called to judge, just not like the hypocrites. Get your house in order and then go and help someone else get their house in order in love. So here in uh, in these first five verses, when it's talking about the speck in your eye and the log, and don't be judged like a hypocrite. He Jesus is laying a foundation. I saw something this morning that I've never seen in the scriptures before, and I pray the Holy Spirit gives me the words to put it out properly because I've never spoken it before. But what Jesus is saying here is really how we relate to others. As a Christian, as a Holy Spirit-filled person, we are not called to be like those in the world. Because, you know, in this whole section here that I just read, you know, we can go to someone like a holy roller with this great reverence for the Lord. <laughs> no, 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 you are wrong. Jesus actually is giving us instruction on how we are to be with others. And the first one is don't judge hypocritically. First of all, you know what? You don't know what that person has been through in their life. You might know in part but you don't know all the intimacies. You don't know what they've been through. And even if you knew, like maybe it's a brother or a sister and you saw them grow up, maybe you think you know them better than they know themselves. You don't know what goes on in their mind. 
You think you do, but only God knows. Only God is righteous to judge. So continuing with that thought, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Because this is, actually, this is an important point. This is one of God's universal rules. You know, it's like that person who, you know, you've heard the saying, misery loves company. You know, that person, and everyone knows more than one who goes out and they're just, oh man, my car broke down. I don't have enough money. You know, the weather's dreary and they're miserable and they try to put misery on you because misery loves company. And what happens is other people come to them and add to their drama. It's like a magnet. And if you go around judging people, people are going to be coming to you. This is God's law. I'm telling it's 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 infallible. You know, it doesn't say uh, do not judge. So hopefully people won't judge you. No, it says so that you will not be judged. He's telling you it will happen if you do it. The law of retribution. Actually, there's a better word than retribution. Um, it evades my mind at the moment. Reciprocity. It's the law of reciprocity. You know, in other faiths, or sorry, they're not faiths. We we have the only faith, but in other religions, they'll call it karma, dude. <laughs> it's karma. So having said that and about judging and looking at the things that are wrong with other people, we feel that we have this holy ground that we stand on, but Jesus continues to say, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, we've all heard the saying, don't cast your pearls before swine. And Jesus is not calling people of the world swine or dogs. He's giving a representation. You have to understand, in biblical times, at the times when Jesus was walking the earth, they didn't have pet dogs. Dogs were vicious. They were strays. They would eat the garbage. They would, you know, they dogs were not domesticated as they are today. And pigs were known as the most unclean animal. And a pig is not wondering what you're thinking about Christ. So do not give what is holy to dogs or to cast your pearls before the pigs. And just think about it literally, what are you saying? If you had pearl, well, if you have something holy and you go to your dog, the Lord says, your dog's going to look at you, huh? Right? <laughs> Or if you had a whole bunch of pearls in your hand and you threw it into the, you know, and they're of great value to us. You throw it in the pig pen, 
You think they're going to care about them? No, they're going to trample it. It's going to get buried in the mud. So I was pondering an analogy of this, and I I think it works. It, it, let me know in the, I think most people have been to a sporting event, okay? And I'm thinking about this because, you know, football's on these days, and a lot of people are spending time in that. And, and actually, I watched a little bit of the games yesterday. <laughs> It's funny, I was the football fanatic, and now my uh, my wife has become interested in it again. <laughs> and uh, just a time passer, but I watched a little bit before the prayer meeting yesterday. And uh, so that's probably why it's top of mind. But imagine this. You're in an NFL playoff game, and you're in the stands, and there's all these fans that are going crazy they're hooting and hollering and everything else you know they're ecstatic for the team but you know as the game goes on the the few guys behind you man they've been swigging back beer the whole time they're obviously getting polluted you know but they're yelling, they're having the greatest time, and maybe they're getting sloppy or whatever. And you, you righteous Christian, turn around and say to them, the Lord rebuke you. It says not to let alcohol take command of you. You are acting unholy in this place. How do you think that's going to go? First of all, are they going to be interested in what you have to say about the word of the Lord? <laughs> nope. Secondly, well, what does it say here in the scriptures? Or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Could you see that happening in that scenario? It's not the right place. But there is a way to minister to that person or those guys. And I do this to draw a contrast for you. And I'm thinking, what, what would I do? You know, and, and by the way, I, I really got conviction about the plank in my eye earlier. So make no mistake, I'm not. I'm not the one on the mount <laughs> preaching here. But if I was in that NFL game and the guys behind me were getting sloshed, I'd probably have a beer in my hand too. I wouldn't be getting sloshed. But you know what? Let's say, you know, the end of halftime or when they're changing sides of the field at the end of the quarter or something like that, I might turn around to one of those guys and say, man, you know what? You are one of the most passionate people that I've ever heard. I can see the fire inside of you. You, sir, are capable of, I don't know anything about you, but you, sir, I see are capable of great things in your life. God bless you, man. How do you think that would go over? even to a pagan. Then just go about your business. 
And I'll bet you later on that guy's having on his shoulder. Hey, did you see that? And he's warming up to you and everything else. Who knows? Maybe even get their number. And then you get to find what that fire in their belly is all about. Start to see what their need is. Or how about at the family dinner, you know, that time at the time of the year, Thanksgiving or whatever the holiday is when the family gets together religiously. (laughs) And, you know, there's your aunt there or some or a cousin or something like that who's just, you know, living life, doing what they want to do. And, uh, You decide because it's that religious holiday. It's Christmas, let's say. You know, this is all about the Lord. No, no, we must pray before this meal. And you should pray too, because it's the day that the Lord has made. Then you wonder why that person doesn't show up next year. Sorry, I got plans. Because you thumped them over the head with the Bible and they didn't want it. But Jesus doesn't leave us unprepared. Look what he says next. And this is what I didn't see until today. And I've read this many times, folks. So immediately Jesus starts talking about prayer and it's odd that, you know, between the Sermon on the Mount, he went into this part about, you know, casting your pearl before swine and don't judge as a hypocrite and all that stuff. And then Jesus gets back to the subject of prayer. Now I want you to hear this closely. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. He's talking from a heavenly perspective because he's talking about prayer and prayer to God. But what if If you weren't sure whether you should minister to someone or not, listen to this. Did they ask you about how you managed to get through all these things? And why why are you different? Did they ask you? Is that person who stands before you, are they seeking Are they seeking for answers? Are they knocking? Because they think they know, but they don't. They just want to, now I got to know. If you have someone in front of you who is asking you, who is seeking, or is knocking, is that a good time to then evangelize to them? 
I never saw that before today. Let me know what you think if that's uh, if that's good. That's the depth of the w- word. You know, I've always thought about it just our relationship and speaking to God, but th- but it makes sense when we do the chapter in order. And, you know, so much I want to say about this, and it's a... Uh, It's wild that, to me, that, you know, I'm teaching about prayer and I just looking in the chat, there's people who I consider giants in prayer. <laughs> you know, it's like me standing before a giant and trying to tell them what it's like living life being tall. <laughs> So there is a, there is that, but this is what the Lord says, ask and it will be given to you. And of course we know the scriptures you do not have because you do not ask. There's a, there's some important points I'm going to make about this. So hang on, please. And we're probably going to finish with, well, I think I'll make it to verse 12. We got enough time. Ask is a verb. It's an action word. You need to bring things before God. Ask and it will be given to you. It's the word of the Lord. But then Jesus says, seek and you will find. Now, if you think of the words ask and seek, seek seems to have a bit more effort in it, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, could I get that promotion? I'm asking you. Thank you. But to seek God, Lord, is this opportunity right for me? Lord, is this the way I should be going? Where should I look in your word, Lord? Where will I find the answer? You will find the answer in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> And to knock, that's another action word. But it's even more effort than it is to just seek. Because now you're knocking. You've already asked. You've already looked. Now you're like, Lord, (laughs) please. Please. There's an escalation. Can you see? And if you were going to minister to someone 
when you look at these three words, if they're asking you or if they're seeking or if they're knocking, have wisdom, know who you're speaking to, and then go to where they're at in that process. You know, if someone is, you know, actively seeking or even knocking, like, okay, my life is a mess. I know there's something and I want to know who is my real God. I need to know who is real out there. Like that's someone who's knocking. Would you open up your Bible and say, in the beginning, God created. Is that where they're at? No, you better jump right to the crucifixion, folks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's seal that deal. Now, if someone asking, how do you know that there's a God? Well, then you're going to answer that in a more gentle manner, and you're going to treat it with just kind of how you, you're reading the situation, where you might go in Scripture. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. How much effort are we putting into it? You know what? We are called to walk out our faith, and it's going to explicitly say that later on in this chapter when it talks about the narrow path. You know what? There's literally thousands of people, after a couple of weeks, because some people are behind, but after a couple of weeks, these Bible studies get about 5,000 people. And we're commanded to pray. Jesus is telling us here, he taught us how to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, and yet, you know, we average 15 to 25 people. Are you on the narrow path? Is it too much effort for you to join a prayer meeting? Oh, I know you've got other things going. I know. I know. Verse 9. Or what person is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? Now, I need to do a little bit of a commentary on this part because there is some very bad doctrine out there. And uh, I just want to point out and, and give a thank you, particularly to Sweet Southern Girly for sharing your testimony on the chat channel over the last couple of days. Um, it's if for those of you who you know don't spend a lot of time on telegram i'm going to suggest to you she makes it short to the point and you know the depth of some of the stuff that 
was experienced and the consequences that came from following bad doctrine. I hope you don't mind me saying that, sweet Southern girly, but you made it public. So here's why I say this. There, I talk about the NAR stuff a lot. And, you know, if there's an over-encompassing theme to the new apostolic reformation is it's all about experience. And they take experience over the word of God and they take, you know, they do a lot of stuff wrong, but part of the new apostolic reformation, there's a doctrine called the word of faith. These are the Benny hymns of the world. These are the feel good Pat preachers, you know, who say, you know, your blessing is coming. You know, if you just sow the seed, you're going to get it. And of course, their prayer doesn't get answered. And when it doesn't get answered, the word of faith minister will say to you, well, obviously, you don't have faith. Your faith is not real. Because God promises right here, it will be answered. And he'll give you this. He's not going to trick you. And then they'll quote Jesus. Your faith has healed you. You see, you're lacking in faith. It's not my fault. Hey, I know you gave a thousand bucks. You believed in me, but you don't believe in God. And this is so dangerous because genuine people who show up who are seeking God are being misled by these serpents. Know how it talks about the uh, wolf in sheep's clothing a little bit further on? These people know that they are wolves. They know. Now, I'm not judging unfairly, and I'm not judging them. I'm judging what they do, their doctrine, and the damage they have done. I would say to you, just from the mainstream ministries that you see on TV that are word of faith and things like that, there are hundreds of thousands of people in North America alone, hundreds of thousands that have been turned away from the faith because of this doctrine of demons. If you were told, if you were praying for your your child, and I just had people go through this, they lost a child, and they're praying for their child, and their child never got saved. Their child died. And then the minister says, well, your faith isn't real. Are you sure you're born again? Thank God the Lord is the judge and not me. For my own sake, being a selfish flesh, flesh vessel that I am, but I, you know, in my flesh, I want to tear a strip off them. The Lord says, pray for them. 
We're called to be different than those who are there. So if there are times when God does not answer prayer in that way, does God answer prayer? Yes. Every time. And just like it says in the beginning here of the seven, it says you will be judged and your standard of measure will be measured to you. Now, don't hear anything I'm not saying, but could it apply if there's an escalation and asking, seeking, and knocking? I'm not saying that it does, but I'm saying that that might be part of it. But here's the thing. God is eternal, and he thinks about your eternity And those people who were lied to and turned away from the faith because of bad doctrine, I suspect many of them become prodigal. Many of them come back because they find the truth and then are on much more solid footing. Their house isn't built on sand anymore. They stand on the rock because they've become the Berean and they trust no man and search out the scriptures for themselves and let the Holy Spirit minister to you directly. Jesus made the way, folks. You don't go to a priest to confess your sins. You don't go to a priest to get your doctrine. Don't go to me to get a doctrine. This is a discussion. It's a study. Trust not what I say. I will be wrong and I will screw up from time to time. I trust my prayer. The Holy Spirit will minister, minister through me. But I'm still in the flesh. So how do we square this? Well, let's just go back as I touched on you're in a job and you're praying for a promotion. Let's say you're a warehouse worker and you're probably the maybe even the best at your job. And all of a sudden a management job comes up and you know what? Well, you won't get as dirty. You, the hours are better. The pay is much better. And you're struggling along. You've paid your dues. In your mind, that promotion should be rightly yours because of the circumstances you're in. And it would benefit your life greatly if you got it. And you pray to God, and then you even petition him. You really seek him out. Lord, is this right for me? I want this job, Lord. I'm praying for it. Give me the words to say in the interview. Give me, you know, you're pressing in. And then the promotion goes to someone who is undeserving. <laughs> who isn't even a Christian. Is that you asked for a loaf and God gave you a stone? 
heaven forbid. Did he throw you a snake? No. God is eternal. And God loves that person as well, by the way, who might have got that promotion in this circumstance, and maybe it was right for them. Or maybe it was orchestrated by the devil because the extra money would ruin them. And they don't know God, and God lets it happen. You don't know. But let me just give you a possible scenario with this. You're vastly disappointed you did not get that job. But you know what? Next year, a recession comes and the company has to cut back. And who are the people that they get rid of? The management. You would have been out on the street. But instead, you're there and you're secure because you're one of the best there. You work to honor God, not just to honor your boss. You work as a child of God. And in that case, when the middle manager is put on unemployment or whatever the case is, perhaps they say, you know what? We had to clear a lot of people and now this warehouse needs a supervisor. You are the best at your job. You know this entire operation. Would you accept this? It's going to come with more money. That is an example of how God answers prayer. Now, in the case where someone is praying and they lose their child, all we can do is trust in the Lord's eternal plan. That if the Lord did not take that child home, it was the best thing for them. Maybe they would have grown up and got in with the wrong crowd and done something and he would have lost them, but he knew that they were that he he wanted them to be with him. And I believe every child who's taken home is taken home. There's I can't I, I my mind can't even fathom the Lord would toss into the lake. So please understand God knows his ways are much higher than our ways. And we have faith. And you can say, Lord, man, it kind of stinks. That person seems undeserving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing that. Now, if someone lost a child, that's going to be a real hard place to get to. And it's only by the grace of God anyone could ever end up there. And I'm giving the most extreme. That is the most extreme example I could think of. But would it be the right thing to do? Yeah. I hope that is uh, a worthy interpretation of prayer. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to hold me to account on this because, well, again, they, they know more than I do. 
but I want, I'm just going to finish up on verse 12 today. I'm not going to spend much time, but in the beginning of this, when I uh, talked about one of those verses, the two verses that I was given in my dream, I believe this to be one of those. And if you want, in fact, in some uh, renderings of this, there's an extra word, and it says, for this is the summary of the law and the prophets. And you understand, when you put the law and the prophets together, that's, that's the book. And so verse 12, if you are going to, if well, if God is going to answer, if, you know, if, if, if you ask Jesus, Lord, can you just in one sentence tell me what this whole thing is all about? How do I, how do I live in this world? He would say, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the summary of the law and the prophets. Sounds just like that commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And why he puts in as yourself? Because you love you more than anybody else loves you. <laughs> Most likely. And if we did nothing else other than what's in verse 12, in everything. Is that something? No. Jesus says, in everything. Therefore. So, when there's a therefore, you have to look back, right? What does he say right before therefore? In everything. So there's emphasis on in everything. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. I'm going to leave it there for today. Except, you know what, I uh, want to put forth a challenge to you. I'm going to make the challenge for an entire week. I doubt any of us will accomplish it, but I pray we do. <laughs> I'm going to ask the Lord that we are able to at least vastly improve. But could each one of you who hears this today, in everything, treat people the way you want them to treat you? Can we do that for a whole week? Can we do it for a whole day? Can we do it today on the Telegram channels and chat or whatever social media or particularly 
with anyone you encounter in the flesh. It doesn't mean beat them over the head with the Bible unless they're asking, they're seeking, or they're knocking. You can love them regardless. Um, thank you to all who support the show. I hate even having to ask, but the scripture says if you don't ask, you don't have. And I am listener supported. There's links in the description box. Um, if you can, it helps. Uh, you know, I pray that I'll be in a better position to give more. Because right now I'm scraping by. That's just the honest truth. My, uh, the, with my cash flow every month, the Lord provides. Somehow I get by, but I would love to be able to be more generous than I am right now. Of course, I have to take care of my house before I can really go and take care of others unless the Lord explicitly says, look, just go do this, and then I trust him. He helps me at the end of the month. He's true to it. But uh, anyways, thank you for those who support and Perhaps you will prayerfully consider if you are called to sow into this ministry as well. In the meantime, thank you for your patience. I try to keep these under an hour. It's hard sometimes. But uh, let me just say this to you. Be loved. And I say that with sincerity, that I pray that I can love each of you. Be loved, at least feel it from me and from my heart. And be loved by those around you, because there's a lot of people who love you, even if you don't feel it sometimes. But most importantly, be loved by God, because surely He loves you. Be blessed by knowing the love of God and by knowing the word of God and knowing that he did not leave us unprepared or without the tools, the instruction manual. Be blessed in knowing that God has done all these things for you, including made your way into eternity. Be the Berean. As I mentioned at the beginning, if you're going to study one part of the Bible in depth, take these three chapters. Know them, know them, and know them. Five, six, and seven in Matthew. Be the Berean. And then simply... Believe. That's it. Just believe. God bless each and every one of you.